Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning, good afternoon, and this is Coach Chuck Creasy. It's another week of American Tennis, and thanks for tuning in. We've got a great program for you today. Uh, today we've got Coach Randy Blumenthal, and I make sure that I got him on the line here. Coach Randy, you on the line? Yeah. Coach Randy, I got you. Okay, you're on the line, and we're off and rolling here. I know your time is precious. But, uh, folks, American Tennis, I'd like to thank um, CEO J.P. Weber and keeping the Yellow Ball Network out there and rolling. In a couple of weeks we'll have Coach John Denise on, and – he will be, I don't want to tell, say that he's going to be singing his uh, swan song, but uh, he's pretty much, he might be going off the air after, you know, golly, seven or eight years already. So a uh, shout out to Coach Denise. Thank you for all your great work. And Randy, I don't know if anybody knows this. John used to be a policeman up in Boston. The guy's been a teacher. He was a basketball coach. And, and He's pretty much uh, gotten everything he can out of his career, so we like to thank him. But uh, today our program, Coach Randy Blumendahl, I've got uh, Randy, uh, I hope this is a good title for you, the Pursue Excellence in a Participation Trophy Culture. And I've got for over 30 years, Coach Randy Blumendahl has molded and guided in tennis and in other all sports, the careers of young athletes. His insights and experiences are shared uh, in, in, in with, with almost every player you've had, um, all I can say, 26 years college coaching, almost 35 years, almost 35 years of training players, you've always, uh, your players have always worked for mastery over simple success, and I'm not going to go into the synopsis, you know, of, of uh, your Hall of Fame and all that stuff that's window dressing and a lot of people get window dressing these days but folks this is the real meat and potatoes meat and potatoes from a great coach and uh thanks for coming on and what do you think of the title pursuit of excellence and the participation trophy maybe an easy way to start out would be to 
ask you to talk talk about how difficult that is, and then we can go into some stuff. What are your thoughts? Hey, Coach. Thank you for having me on the show again. Uh, I, uh, you know, I I always enjoy our time together and our our time talking about tennis, and and uh, we're we're kind of in a state right now with tennis where. You know, it, it could be a great opportunity, and and you know, it's also a, a difficult time um, in a lot of different respects. So, um, you know, we we're we're you know, I I love the title. I think that's you know definitely where we're at right now. I think there's a lot of different reasons that we can go into on why that is. Um, I'm always constantly trying to figure out what the juniors here need to do to figure out a way where they can pursue excellence and, and they can achieve whatever their, their goals are and whatever their aspirations are and uh, trying to set the bar as high as we can. Um, and, and we're in difficult times to do that. So that's, you uh, know, I think that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today, but I'm, I'm excited about the topic. Good, good. I, I want to jump in there and say, about setting the bar, when they first started uh, dumbing down things, I remember the first time I ever heard dumb down was uh, back when I was working my Ph.D. Actually, I, I had a lot of hours towards that coach. I was hoping I could be a professor or a doctor. I thought maybe that would give me more clout. But uh, basically, I figured that I was more after the window dressing and a title than after the substance. But I was reading these articles uh, back when homeschooling was really, really picking up in the 90s and people really going after homeschools. And, and the whole thing, the term dumbed down kept happening. And it was in British schools and different schools around, but the term dumbed down. But my point is this. When they first, when I first started seeing this dumbed down and I saw the whole culture turning toward more of uh, not into mastery, but, but just into participation, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be low-hanging fruit here. You know, if people are not going after it, I mean, a lot of the competition is going to be just sort of wiped out in all the sports. And I said, wow, it's going to be easier to succeed if you have work ethic. However, I didn't take into account the way that society would start to lower the bar. In other words, now this year, Coach, we had eight spelling bee champions, national spelling bee champions. We go to we go to a graduation exercise. There might be five valedictorians. You go to a USTA tournament last weekend. My friend's son won a USTA tournament down here in South Carolina. He sent me a picture, and I go, "Way hey, won the tournament." He said, "Well, no, they only put half of the draw here and half of the draw there, so they had two winners." I go, "Whoa! When you champion the week, you just weaken the real champion." So, could you talk about that a little bit about the lowering the bar versus it, it being uh, my my daughter, my daughter. She she runs high school cross country at the state meet. They had like ten different trophies out there. They had for one A, two A, three A, four A, five A, six A. Well, who was the real champions? Who was the real champions? And and I I mean you sort of wanted to know who the state champion was, I guess. So could could you talk about that a little bit, coach? And then we can get into the, exactly some specifics of what's happening. 
Um, sure. The the I think one of the points that <clears throat> need to be made here is the psychology of what we're talking about because we're talking about a bar that is is in somebody's head, but we all know that the people that have been in the game for a long time know that tennis requires certain things out of players for them to get to the top of the game. And right now the, the highest bar is Grand Slam champions. Um, so, so, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, when you prepare these, a lot of, a lot of the learning takes place in the competition. So when you prepare players to do things in competitions that don't help them get up to what tennis requires, meaning that, you know, they, they shorten the scoring formats or they have multiple winners, nobody understands that. The kids all kind of chase after each other. So if one of them does something, the, the other one thinks they can do it better. So if, if there is none of that going on, then nobody really knows at the end of the day how hard they need to work, how much they need to hone their skills. And they think that maybe they're there, and then all of a sudden one day they get told, uh, hey, you don't have enough talent. And I still haven't seen a player run out of talent, so I'm still waiting for that day to, to happen. I've heard a couple of stories like that, but I haven't seen I've seen players get discouraged and stop working. I've seen players maybe didn't get the same opportunities, but I haven't seen, and, and that's rare today. I see a lot of opportunity given out today, but I, I, I definitely haven't seen anybody run out of talent. So mm. what really happens, I see a lot of players believing that they got to a certain level and then all of a sudden it hits them. They're not really that close. So, you know, one of the things I remember early on talking to you about is how to keep fog on the mountain with younger players so they keep climbing as high as they can climb and then, you right. know, otherwise look down and they get scared. Fog, fog so, on top of the mountain till they're too high up to turn back, I usually say. Don't lift the right. fog till they're so high up they go, whoa, that's the journey I've made because – Otherwise, they look at it and they say, "Wow, that's Mount Everest. Too tough. Let's try something else." And uh, you know, and, and by the, the this these all these kids are really capable of doing much more than they initially believe they can do. And and what happens is we can't quite separate. Right now, we're having a hard time separating that as a motivating factor for the children and the short term pain. So the the parents that are there at the tournament are more concerned about short-term pain than they are any sort of excellence that could be pursued by somebody setting the bar even higher and how that could help their child out in the future. So you you have a lot of that going on with our current system. And then, you know, this, I keep saying the rec model tennis, but I know we're, we're redoing, the USTA is redoing, you know, uh, how they're doing their, their tournaments and, you know, basically taking away the, the, the sections or the regions out of the tournaments and making everything national tournaments. But, but basically, if you look at it, most over half of their tournaments are a recreational model of tournament. It's, it's based on participation and not as much on 
pursuing any sort of excellence. So, um, and, and that's where the problem is. And so what happens is these kids have to do so many reps in the same rep over and over again, and they feel like they're stuck, and sometimes they are stuck, and they just wonder why they're doing what they're doing. Um, they just lose their sense of direction. And I think it's an individual journey, but, I, you know, I also think that, you know, what we could facilitate from tournament directors is something that would help inspire that. I mean, we, we do. We keep making the kids jump through the same hoops over and over and over again. I've always argued uh, even in past days, you had the 10s and the 12s and the 14s and the 16s and the 18s. Well, they have played lower end, upper end, lower end, upper years, lower end uh, years, upper years, years, and and on and on. Well, the kids get and if the hoops are mediocre, in other words, if there's no passion there, if there's no journey accomplished. It's just like climbing a mountain and then fog lift and say, oh, I'm at the same place I was. And and the kids, and, and I don't know whether they're doing this by design, the USTA is, or it's just, they're, they're, they're just not smart about the achieve, what achievement really is. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We, we haven't had a Grand Slam champion in the men's, men's side for 20 years, and that's disgusting. For the USA. Now, people say on the women's side we have. Well, if you take the Williams sisters out of there, by the way, the Williams sisters never played a USTA junior event, folks. Never played a USTA junior event. I think that uh, the Rick Macy's and the, the people who guided them felt that it would just basically get them off of that fast-rising elevator that they were on or the fast – they were running up the mountain, and he didn't want to slow them down, I think, you know. But right. go ahead. You had something to say, Coach. Well, what I wanted to interject there is, is you made a good point about the, the, the females, and and we have future stars that are on the rise on that side as well. But what you said about the Williams sisters, that model is still out there. Even our national center that is run by the USTA that that houses a lot of those future players on the female side, they are, or they help coach them, or they help, you know, they set up schedules that don't have any USTA junior tournaments in them. So there, there's a, I think there's a reason for that. I mean, they're, they're right. you know, they could say the level's not good. Well, why is the level not good enough? We have enough players out there playing, but, Anyway, they're not even using that as a developmental tool. That's my point. Exactly. Exactly. It's the same across the board. Right, and and I want to state the problem. What I'd like to do is have a format here where we're organized to the place where we can state the problem or point it out. Let's let's point out what's going on. And and pretty much we're, as coaches – as teachers at tennis and the ones that want our youngsters to pursue excellence, I've always said why kids are motivated is a uh, Tim Wilkinson statement. Young people play for two reasons, rivalries and tournaments of heritage. And we're not providing either one of those with this point system and things that the USTA is doing. So they might be following a participation model. And I want to get into this, but let's state the facts here. In 1986, Coach, we had 
41 USA-born players that went to college and made top 100 in the world. Today we have four, three on the men's side, one on the women's side, USA-born who went to college. Okay, 20 years it's been, or actually 19 years times, what's 19 times four? 38, 76 minus Wimbledon. 30 uh, minus Wimbledon, so that would be what 30 75 tries, no USA champion in a men's side. College tennis is now 80% international students. None, none of us have anything against international students. However, I do not think Title IX was set up to protect women from other countries, number one. It was set up to protect my daughter and give your daughter and everyone's daughter in the United States a chance not to coach all of the semi-pros from other countries. And in, on the men's side, and, and, and we're talking D1 and D2, it's, it's more than that. And so there's no place to go to college. We've turned high school tennis into an after-school activity, Coach. Most of our top players do not want to play high school tennis. Now, could you imagine a high school football player not wanting to play high school football? I'm going to play AAU or something. Could you imagine a high school basketball player? I mean, let's talk baseball. I mean, golf, even golf is its a different sport, but most of your top players do not play high school tennis because it is an after-school activity with a very poor developmental system, scoring system, and it's a very – they used abbreviated scoring and short matches, and it's basically uh, after-school activity. They are not pursuing – Mastery. If you ask a youngster, history and the heritage has all been, has, has completely been, I don't want to say eliminated, but underemphasized to the place where people don't even know who our past champions were. Coach, I wanted to also say this. It's not just tennis. It's other sports. All of the, Some of the other sports are being dumbed down as well. And why I'd like to talk about this in a few minutes, but could it be the gambling industry that's running tennis right now? Seventy million dollars, seventy million dollars was given by the to the ITF by the gambling industry. Was it last year or the year before? The article is is widely spread. It's on the internet. You can read it. But seventy million dollars are they calling the shots and just fighting for randomness? Who's calling all these shots? But those are just some of the things that we're struggling with. Pickleball has, has done a big number on our senior citizen games. Nobody's playing tournaments after college. We, we have a big void between the ages of 20 and 35. So uh, those problems are there. So maybe you would like to add – some of the things that you know or see, but then let's let's talk about why maybe, and then maybe a solution of how to fix it. Go ahead, Coach. Well, I wanted to make a point as you were talking is, you know, that you're talking about the, uh, you know, why it's, you know, why players aren't develop, developing and in, in, in high school tennis, and you know, I think parents probably out there say, well, why is that? Why is that? We're talking about scoring format. Repetition is a very important thing in any sport. In a skill sport, I mean, you got 
Roger Federer, who's almost 40 years old, that ha- is required to put in a lot of hours to hone his skills. He may be the greatest player of all time, and he still has to put in the hours to hone his skills. I think almost every skill sport is like that. You have to put in the time. I think, um, and, and then if you want to be a good competitor, you have to put in the time. So if you shorten the format, you shorten the number of matches they play, you shorten the amount of time they practice, we, all, we both know, I know we talk about this a lot, you have to have time to develop. There, there is no shortcuts out there. I've heard the, hey, you know, be smarter, or, you know, all these little slogans and everything. Yes, that's nice, but you still have to have the repetitions to, to be able to develop. And if they take away all that, whether it's high school tennis, whether it's the USDA, and by the way, if, you, if you're playing USDA tournaments and you want to go to college, you're competing against the world because just what you said, you know, that 80% of those kids, are, and they're taking the scholarships. So if you're competing against the world and you have a mechanism that is not giving you the reps that are required for you to compete against them, yeah, the bar has been lowered and you think the top of something and then you realize, hey, no, I haven't put in the time. So that, that's what – I think this is all boiling down. I think discouragement happens for youngsters right there. I I mean, I'm just thinking my friend took uh, his son this past weekend to a southern tournament. All right. He went down to uh, the resort where they were having the tournament. He had to get a hotel room for three nights. Well, you figure that's, what, $500 at the resort the the gas probably a hundred dollars, the food probably two hundred dollars. Now we're up to eight hundred dollars. The entry fee, by the way, is about a hundred and twenty dollars. Now you spend a thousand dollars. My friend's son got in three matches, but here's the kicker: he only got they played no ad scoring and they had to do tiebreakers for the third set. So what did he get? Six games. Or six sets, six sets of tennis for a thousand dollars. Well, wait a minute. You see where I'm going with here, Coach? I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know who. I guess that we could, we could guess at who is behind all this. But I think our organizations have a lot of responsibility to share. Or the dumb down. Can we call it the dumb down, or is that too harsh? I, I think it's a complete tennis dumb down. You know, so. Um, you know, it's just simple economics. I'm not so sure I want my daughter. I don't have $1,000 to put out for a weekend for her to play six sets of tennis. So if we follow the USTA model, we're going to go broke. And then, by the way, good luck. The level's not going to be high enough because they're not getting the reps at doing what they need to. They're not. That's not going to prepare them for a grand slam one day. And at the same time, oh, by the way, there is no college scholarship out there. Am I being too negative, Coach? No. And then that's being marketed as, yeah, but they're having fun. Yeah, but it's a good experience. Yeah, but if you get beat, everybody had an equal experience as, you know, as the winner, you know, and and yet we're in competition. Um, And then the same message is getting explained to, 
young players about the way they train and about the way they need to be an athlete and about the way they have to uh, uh, work on whatever skills they've got in front of them. And, and of course, we know, you know, there, there's been slogans out there that, you know, play tennis and how easy it is. It's one of the hardest sports in the world. And that's what makes it so great. Um, and I, I just don't think that, you know, I, I well, I do. I think we are trying to sell our sport to the wrong people and do the wrong things. And, and at the end of the day, if we don't get the right people in and they don't take it to the next level and the next level, it won't inspire anybody. So that's okay. That's let's what, go. Let's, let's go down that um, Avenue a little bit. That's a big point coach. Um, we're marketing the sport to the wrong people. Let's, maybe talk about that one uh what do you think who do you think they're marketing to not just groups of people we're not talking about uh any dynamic of people we're talking about a mindset right we're talking about they're trying to market it to social tennis go ahead what what are your thoughts there yeah they're trying to market it to people that um you know, like the no cut thing where, where people that don't want to have any sort of negative experience would play our sport. Um, people that maybe don't pick up any other sport would play our sport. It, it's almost the opposite of what I thought that the agenda was 30 years ago. So the, um, you know, the, the way that they're crafting the, the introduction of the game is, and how how they're making that longer a longer and longer process is is just you know people that would look at it as like an after school activity, like oh yeah I'm I'm going to do yoga on Thursday and tennis on Friday, or you know mm-hmm. what, whatever the activity would be. So the um, I, that you have to for for tennis really I mean tennis re, is re, requires a mindset of somebody that wants to put in the time and effort daily and try to separate themselves and try to find new things in themselves and and find things that they didn't think they had. And to do that, they have to stretch themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally almost every day. And, and then they have to do the same in competitions. And, and there's a certain group of people that want to do that. And some people don't want to hurt and don't want to experience, you know, they, they don't get as excited about the competition. So, you know, as coaches, we know we can identify those people. We also know that, hey, maybe they'll join multiple different sports, but individual sports have their own set of things that, that people love about them and team sports the same. And, and, you know, there's, there's a separation there with the, with the athletes, but we're not, we're not marketing it that way because we're not looking at it. Like how, how can we develop? And if, if they hurt or they fail, that could be a good thing because that may help them work a little bit harder. That may help them find something that they can do that they didn't think they could do that may help build their confidence that may help with their, their, uh, you know, their overall view of what they believe they can do. 
becoming the best version of themselves. You know, uh, let's let's look at other individual sports. I was sitting here thinking about other individual sports. <clears throat> golf. Um, I don't think that there is a golfer alive that does not want to lower their score to find out what their maximum is. With everybody knows their handicap, you know, and it. Uh, golly, it took me 20 years to ever break 80 three times in my whole life, and that was a great, great day, but I was still trying to pursue uh, pursue some me, type of excellence. The point, go ahead, go ahead. Let me add to that point. That's a great point I think you're making. So I was down in the villages a couple of weeks ago, and there's, I don't remember how many holes. The villages down there, that's uh, 110,000 people in Florida yeah, yeah. where they pretty much have put all the old people. All of the, some That's of the right. greatest minds in the world have been put out to pasture. Was that fair enough to say? <laughs> Sorry if you're living in the villages right now. The only time I've been there, I went there and I go, holy cow, the people are having a ball here, but that's 110,000 people that have been taken out of society that should be mentoring young people. Go ahead, Coach. There may be more golf holes than there are people there. It's a ridiculous number of, of golf but they have courses where everything's shortened and then the holes are four times bigger than the normal hole what well, <laughs> yes yeah, yeah so we drove by one of these courses so the courses are all filled i drove by the only reason i knew that i drove by one and i asked my dad i said hey nobody's out on that one he said nobody wants to play on that course i mean yeah it's easier to hit the ball in the hole it's easy, but they don't want to do that that wow i mean that tell you the psychology that, of you know what people will chase after wow wow but the individual things okay look a cooking show uh the chef you know that chef show that's on tv the, 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 that's the cool. Why do people watch it? You know what the drama of you're down to five people and hey, uh, Miss uh, Fried Tomato Lady here, uh, you cook spaghetti and fried tomatoes. Sorry, you get cut. And I'm like, oh, well, it's it's cutthroat. It's not a participation trophy. They're trying to find the best chef. America's Got Talent. You start with 20 people, they get down to one. Golf. What you said is so true. Nobody wants to play in a, where the hole is as big as a pizza pie, and putting doesn't take any skill. And then, and then you can go on, but, Coach, look at things like music. Well, you might just yeah. play music to be playing music, but the great musicians don't. They still have that piano. That piano has lasted for in the violin and the musical instruments for hundreds of years, and people are still pursuing excellence. Art. Do you think people go out and just try to make a average art? Do you think people want to paint by numbers, or do they go after the fly fishing versus bait casting? And we could go on and on. Uh, swimming, swimming. People are always looking at the watch. Running. People are looking at the watch, trying to pursue excellence. Why? Then, USTA, what are you guys doing? Don't dumb down an individual sport. Don't dumb it down. I'm sorry, Coach. I just, I, I, my mind was racing there. But uh, holy cow! Yeah, and then, and then, yeah, exactly right. And we can guess all day long on 
why they would be doing that, but the the it, it looks like on the outside they do it because a couple of people that have bad tournaments, you know, end up saying a lot at the end of the tournament, and therefore let's make everybody happy. Well, it, in in competition, not everybody's going to be happy. I think it, it should be an environment where everybody feels like it was fair, but not everybody's going to be happy. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. Um, Somebody's going to play a long match. Somebody's going to play a short one. And to try to control that makes very little sense, especially if you're trying to inspire young people to do great things. When you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. Coach, if you could hang on for about – 45 seconds or so. We'll be right back. Let's do a quick commercial. I'd really like to uh, go into why they might be doing this. Why are they pushing tennis? Are they pushing other sports? I mean, are they juicing the baseballs to have more home runs? Have they made basketball strictly athletic and not a skill sport? Are they doing – are they amping – ramping up the golf clubs so that people can be pretenders with their long drives. You know, Coach, we're we're doing a lot of that stuff, but I'd like to talk about why. But then I would like to get our last ten minutes of the program. I'd surely like to go into um, what the heck do we do about it. So I'll be right back. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and this is American Tennis. And this coach Chuck Creasy and folks, I am so proud. My book, Total Tennis Training, has now been on the market for over 30 years. And coaching tennis, coaching tennis has now been listed as the third best-selling and the third best coaching book out there for the sport of tennis. It's Coaching Tennis by Masters Press and by McGraw Hill. And you can go to Amazon and and look it up, and you can get one ordered within a day or two. And the the time-tested rules, ways to do things, work ethic, and everything from the physical, the mental, and the emotional parts of the game are listed in that book, Coaching Tennis. Over 35,000 copies now are out and around the world. Go up and pick it up now and order it on Amazon. It's called Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy, K-R-I-E-S-E. Coach Blumendahl, it's great to have you on here, and we're talking about all the dumb down. <laughs> I was just thinking about it when the commercial, we were playing the commercial, about how hard it took me over 10 years to write that first book, and it was such a labor of love. We had, I had to go out and get, well, actually, a publisher, I, I had a reference, and a publisher called me. It was just something, most uh Tremendous thing when a publisher called me back in 1988 and said, I heard you have a tennis book ready to go. And uh, the work that I put in over those years and everything. But nowadays, you can self-publish. Nowadays, 
pretty much can present people can write and present anything on uh, Facebook. Nowadays, you can put videos up, and you used to have to have a platform, Coach. You used to have a level of excellence, or if you had a chance to go out there and put something out, now you could put a movie out. I guess years ago you had to have someone take the script and put the movie out or the book out. But uh, is this where we're going? Are we going to genericizing everything? Are we doing it in other sports too? Are baseballs being juiced? I mean, they're hit. Seem to me they're hitting six and seven home runs in games now. I never, I don't remember that happening. What are your thoughts, Coach? Is that is that the way we're going? Uh, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I I uh, I think we're all had been watching sports for a long time. Everybody's been watching sports for a long time. Is definitely asking that question. Um, you know, in my mind, I look at it like you know, sports center highlights. I mean, is that what the, what the fans are looking for? Is that what's really going to um, plant the seed that really wants to make somebody great? Or is there, is there something deeper? Is there a deeper thought? Is there, uh, you know, a little bit different way of looking at it? But I think we, we've gotten into sort of state of mind where we think, you know, hey, maybe the five-second clip, we're playing for that. We're playing for the great shot, the great hit. And I think there's much more depth to sport. And I know there is when, when you're building a person, there's much more depth to sport than just that one great shot or or whatever it would be that would, would be a highlight reel. So, um but for, for whatever reason, we had marketed that, and we, year to year, we kind of started to treat our sports based on, you know, how much, how much money they can produce and how much revenue, and then we're changing the rules of maybe the fabric of what makes the sport great. So, I, yeah, you're, we're, we're seeing this across the board, and, and uh, I don't think that it's improving – the experience for anybody that's playing the sports, but um, and I'm I'm I debate whether they're selling any more tickets while they do that. I think it's just something for them to talk about. We we've sort of saturated the market as far as the entertainment dollar, I, I guess. And I I refer back to re- remembering in 1980 sitting in the National Teachers Conference in New York City and Clarence Mabry saying the most important quality of a championship athlete was the hunger of an inquisitive mind. And I'll never forget that. Um, you know, our athletes, our athletes, it's not the rocket forehand to serve, but it's it's our young athletes looking deep enough into the sport where they are searching for that next level of excellence, searching for the depth. Um, there was a subtlety in the movie uh, Ford versus Ferrari uh, when Ken Miles got messed over and just cheated out of uh, the being called the lone champion of the 1963 Grand Prix. Or not, uh, sorry, Le Mans. It was the Le Mans 24-hour endurance race. But if you remember, the beautiful thing in that movie, it had so many subtleties, but he had just gotten cheated out of it. Uh, they got him on a technicality. He was a good team sport man. And uh, he was crushed, and then he looked up, and old man Ferrari was up there in the box, 
and old man Ferrari just tipped his hat to him. And that was enough. <laughs> In other words, that was more important than the record books. That was more important to Ken Miles. And that whole movie, that subtlety meant so much to me. Uh, just the respect, the respect, uh, uh, you know, whether it's a writer, whether it's a writer writing, you know, the, the, perfect, manus- the perfect manuscript for, for themselves or, or, or that perfect piece of music or something that never sells, but it becomes a masterpiece regardless of the hype and things. Will we ever have quality again? Coach Blumendahl, I mean diamonds. Will we have diamonds instead of nonstop rhinestones in 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 sports? Yeah, the indicators are that that's going to decrease for sure. I mean, I, we know we know in our sport if we continue along this path that that the likelihood of that happening is very slim. Um, no. It just takes it takes so much. To, uh, to even attempt to help facilitate something like that. And then, uh, you know, and then those people come out of those situations. And that, that's just not – that's not going on. So that's a long way of answering. I, I doubt – I think the, the odds are, are not likely that that's going to happen in the future. I think we will frame some situations that look pretty good on the outside, but um, – it's disheartening to me, but what we're finding out is, you know, we're finding out that people are taking shortcuts to cheating, and and I know I know the effects that has on the young people. That's not good. Yeah, because people can't tell the difference between a diamond or a rhinestone. But let's try to develop here in this the part we've got. We got about 15 minutes here. Can we develop uh, the structure that we would need? Let's say in the United States of America to have American champions again and to have tennis thrive. Could you start at the junior level and sort of explain maybe what we would need um, in the if you're a tournament director out there or if you're a coach or if you're a parent, please listen to what coach has to say. The primary reason for getting you on the program today is I know that you are sort of breaking the mold. You're breaking out of the pack, not just with some of the training that you're doing, but also some of the tournaments that you're planning to run and things. Could you talk about some of those principles? Yeah, the, um, well, I'll start from the lowest level. The lowest levels, it, it does need to be more fun, and it does need to be more of a recreation model but it doesn't need to be for long. So there, there needs to be the short period of time. Of is that age-based, though? Excuse me, but is that age-based, or is it just depends on each kid? Level-based. I think that's, that's level, level beginner more than age. Okay. Level-based more than age. It, it, it could be a 15-year-old beginner. It could be a 4-year-old beginner. I think it, you Good initially point. want that experience to be – a positive one and that's where i agree with the usda now that that's not 18 layers deep that's one layer and then after that they decide whether they're going to go a recreation model or they want to you know try to do something a little bit more difficult 
So um, the next level of tournament, it's important that there are, you know, multiple levels within, but, but what helps a lot with the development is when the older kids of a similar skill are playing with the younger kids, and it helps both in different ways. Um, mentoring type. Mentoring, but mentoring. on-site mentoring. Learning, learning curve for both. It helps build confidence on one end and responsibility, and it helps, it helps the uh, younger players learn how to do different things because the more it the more mature player will try to do multiple different things even though the skill sets are similar usually so um so that so age-based tournaments are excuse me but the age-based tournaments are maybe helpful at times but really are not the best correct yeah the only time i i don't think they're really helpful most of the time, yeah, it's it's a very you know, very small percentage right. of the time. When, when, when I was when I was in Asia and then traveled around the, the world with uh, ITF tournaments for a two year period that I did that, uh, I, I realized that in the juniors the ITF had eighteen and under and they had fourteen and under. Now eighteen anybody could be it, but the fourteen under. So you might have a ten year old playing in the fourteen and unders. And so you only had two age groups, and I, I sort of liked that. I sort of liked that. I didn't like – I always thought this 16 and under was sort of a wasted division when I recruited because kids are awkward ages. You have some small 16-year-olds, some big. Some had developed their game, some had not. But the kids were half-heartedly, and they were, they were ready to go to the 18 and under age group. So, you know. Yeah. And then in Germany they have the, what, 21 or 22 and under and – you know, to help mix the men with the boys or the women with the with the girls. So it's uh-huh. um, but I I don't think it needs to be capped. I think it it you know you you do need men playing boys once you get into a uh-huh. um, uh, upper level of juniors. So um, and that will help facilitate Good. you know something. And then there needs to be. There needs to be something that they're chasing after. I mean, that, and it needs to be tournaments that matter, like you say, tournaments of heritage, and also their rivals have to be in there. They have to, you know, see something that somebody else is doing and believe they can do it themselves if they work hard enough. So, um, uh, you know, and right now we've got UTR tournaments that, you know, it's a little bit different, but it's, it, it's, uh, you know, it's added some freedom to what tournament directors can do. Money tournament um, has added some freedom to what, what uh, you know, what tournament directors can do. But they can do whatever they want to do. I know I've talked to another um, club and academy coaches that have talked about maybe teaming up and having a series, a Grand Prix series, and, uh, um you know, doing that with the men and doing that with the boys. But, but um, yeah, I think they have to have a way of chasing after something. Um, and then they have to know that, that, that there's some value to that. There's value to getting to the top of whatever that is. Um, so, you know, that, uh, that's you know, great things. Right not... No, I was going to say no age base, tournaments of heritage, rivalries are important. 
freedom, whether it's UTR, UTR is just a starting point, I think. But the freedom people need for to play in events, you know, the money events. Well, that's another the value. Now, the, listen, let's, folks, folks, listen to this. Okay. Do you really think your youngster is going to get fired up to go home and tell people, I just won the Level 3 Southern Blue Group uh, Open at at uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and do you, do you really think that? It's like, hey, I was on the YMCA Blue Team. I used to argue all the time that not ha- having elementary school sports was a big hindrance to our kids. It used to be... I played for the St. Catherine Cats. We call you know the St. Catherine. We played. I remember Little Flower was our big rival. St. James. We did not want to lose those parochial matches games when we were growing up. But playing for the Blue Group or the YMCA Level One team, Level Three, Coach. I had a friend go down to this group uh, tournament last week. And he said, well, what kind of tournament is this? I I don't know. I've been in tennis 47 years, but I think it's a level – I don't know what that means. I think that's a mid-level southern tournament, and everybody's not there, by the way. They're playing random, random scoring from no ad and tiebreakers for the third set and – Wow, they're passing <laughs> they're passing out two different trophies for winners. So I mean so in the end, why would you pay a thousand bucks to go do that? So tournaments of heritage are important. If you if you won the Crackerland in Athens, Georgia, at the University of Georgia, that was a big, big deal. If you won the Copper Bowl if you won the Orange Bowl, if you won the Gator Bowl, if you won the Pepsi 16 in Florence, South Carolina, 16 top kids in the South went there. Wow. Wow. Why doesn't our governing body understand this, Coach? (laughs) So, anyhow, the value just isn't there. So what would you do? You say you're running tournaments. How would you inspire inspire in your own immediate area would you just go run your own tournaments or are there too many handcuffs on too many governors on the engine from the usda yeah the the just running your own tournament you know it 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 can be tricky and then there can be stuff that makes it fairly simple but you have to find a way to make it where it's a special event um you know the 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 what would I do immediately? Yeah, I, I would run tournaments. I think we run tournaments, but um, full scoring, it's very important. The time on the court, that experience alone with players today is starting to separate. And by the way, the players don't want to play the shortened format. They want to play the full two out of three sets. Um, they would like to play as many sets as they could play. So, you know, especially the ones that are there, to play the tournaments outside of, you know, it's their choice to play them. So, um, you know, we're doing money tournaments. We're we're trying to bring in tournaments where we get, you know. uh, Could I elaborate real quickly so parents understand? Parents, I have right here on my door in the office the rule, NCAA rule 12.1, 
2.4.4. Prior to college full-time entry, college entrance, your youngsters are allowed to make up to $10,000 after expenses per year. Per year. That's everybody except the top 300 in the world, though, I think. And then after initial uh, college enrollment, you're allowed to make in the off-season, you're allowed to make money. Not during the school year, but up to the so up to up to that, you're allowed to make up to ten thousand dollars. So parents, if your youngsters out playing a UTR tournament, have at it. If they could make up to ten thousand dollars, that would be awesome. And at your local club, encourage should they encourage their um, local pro to run a tournament where the winner of that junior tournament gets a couple hundred bucks instead of just a plastic trophy, coach. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, I I think one thing I want to I want to be clear on this is I think that the the tournaments that have historically been great tournaments with the USTA are still good tournaments. Kalamazoo is if you could play Kalamazoo, yes, that's a good tournament. That's a good tournament for you to go to. If you could, mm-hmm. you know, the girls they go out and play San Diego, that. But of course, what's attached to that is the U.S. Open. So you've got the best, and this is key, you have the best players in the country playing. Um, you know, and they have very few other tournaments that I think make a big difference. Easter Bowl is another one. Uh, uh-huh. And then outside of that, you say, well, Coach, what if I'm not quite ready for that? Then I would find ways to develop to where you can get up to that level and find ways to get into those tournaments. So, you know, and and do I think when you're playing catch up or you get caught in in the same tournaments all the time, do I think you can develop through that? It's 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 unlikely, it's unlikely. So you have to start thinking differently when you're scheduling. You have to start right. finding ways to speed up where you can get better at your competition. Um, and that's right. you know, and that's what I would like to create as a tournament director is those alternative ways where players can continue right. to better. Right. And, and let me let me point this out. American parents out there, the reason that that was passed at $10,000 limit was that in their infinite wisdom, whatever, the ITA pushed this because we have so many international players that had been playing professional tournaments overseas since they were 15, 16, 17. And then they would come over to the United States and play college. Well, they decided that age was one factor. High school education was the other. But taking money, all of them, there were probably two, 300 playing. And it was, you know, sorry, but it was too big a can of worms to mess with. So they just said, okay, let's just put a limit on it for $10,000. And so what do we have? We have a semi-pro sport now. Could you imagine a baseball player playing single-A baseball, say, you know what, I'm not going to make it to the majors, so I think I'll go back to college. Well, that defeats the whole purpose of what we've been trying to do. So, look, it wasn't made for just international students. Have at it, American kids. Have at it. You know, go go ahead, and I, I'm not telling you become pros here, but what does it take? If you, t- it used to be if you took a penny, you were a professional. But they just, I'm trying to think what year they did this. It looks like it was done in 12. Wait a minute, hang on. Looks like 2012. 
looks like it's been in function about, you know, eight years already. But here's the point also, look, uh, tournaments, in the end, you have to get better. In the end, you have to get better. So, again, tournaments of heritage matter. So, Coach, can I repeat? Yes, Kalamazoo, Easter Bowl, Orange Bowl, these tournaments of heritage matter. In the old days, winning Louisville meant a lot. That was the National Clay Court. Now, if you say you won the Clay Court Nationals Clay Courts, well, which was that? Was that the blue group, the yellow group, the green group, the 3.5 players? Who was that? But it, tournaments of heritage matter a whole lot. That's why they should never move Kalamazoo. Coach, you got about three minutes. I'm, I don't want to push you here. I just thought that I needed to clarify that for parents out there so they understand. Wow, yes. And it's NCAA Rule 12-1-2-4.2.4. Well, anyhow, it's on prize money for tennis. Holy cow. Is that something else? Is that something else? Go ahead, Coach. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I actually had a uh, parent come up to me about that a uh, few weeks ago, and they – you know, still didn't believe that their junior player could could uh, take any money. So, and that's been around for a while now. But they basically that was a band aid about the uh, international players. They were trying to right. It was know. a band aid so they didn't have to have rule. We had a 1995 or six 86 players ruled ineligible because they'd taken money. In the end, it was such yep. a big can of worms. They closed it up and said, "Ah, you're penalized two matches or three matches or something like that." And all the people who were cheating, they were going, "Whoa, really, really, wow!" And is yep. that all? And then it opened up a bigger can of worms. So basically, they put a Band-Aid on it. And I just, yeah. it's, it's, it's awful. It's awful. But American kids, this is out there for you too. So go ahead. How else would you do with tournaments if you were a parent or something? Now, Coach, we've got a couple minutes here. Well, I think, I think you have to look at the overall plan of what you're trying to do and how, you're, and how quickly you're trying to develop. If you're training at a certain level and you you believe you can go out and your learning curve can be really easy to learn quickly in, in competition. I think that you need to look beyond just USTA stuff. You've got ITF tournaments, you've got UTR tournaments, you've got money tournaments, you've got men's tournaments. Find ways where you can, and, and the easiest way to think about that is a third, a third, a third, a third of the, the tournament, you know, like, hey, you're, these are. I'm reaching up. It's a really high level for me, a third, very similar level. And sometimes you play a tournament, you've got all the levels in there, but then the, the third of the time, maybe I'm the favorite. I'm the the one through four seed. I'm, I'm one of the favorites in the tournament. So if, if you do that, then you can kind of formulate what you're trying to do, and that will help you navigate through your tournament. But if you just blindly – try to sign up for every USTA tournament, you'll get stuck. I, I think the majority of players that try to do that just kind of get stuck at a local level or a sectional level. So, and, you know, it, and, and they want to keep advancing. Maybe they, they have an inquisitive mind. Maybe they've got the hunger. Maybe they are putting in the time on the practice court. 
then you need to look for alternative ways to do that. And and I think the thing that that needs to be understood is there is not a patent on getting a college scholarship. There's not a pat. There's not one way for somebody to tell you how to take the journey you need to take as a tennis player and create a, a, a tournament schedule. There are commonalities out there. You can look at what other people have done, but it'll be your own journey. And I think, you know, if you get stuck with certain things and you don't like what's going on, you need to try to find ways, but also you've got to deal with what you need to deal with. And, and it comes back to your peers and people that are your rivals how are you doing there? And then try to get into the tournaments of heritage and try to go, try to develop any way you can try to develop. And there's, everybody's got a little different path with that. Well, the, the wisdom is tremendous there. And I'm going to ask you, could you give us your email? Would you mind give us your email so that parents could get a hold of you if they needed to for advice or direction? What what's your email, Coach? My email is R D L O E M E N at iCloud.com. Okay. R like Randy B L O E M E N. Correct? Blowman Blumen. B L O E M E N at iCloud dot com and parents parents call him call him and pick his brain he he is one of the few people out there i'm telling you that can maximize your youngsters full potential and and there's it's it's so so important the journey is so much more than just hitting forehands and backhand scheduling what wisdom of scheduling so this is coach randy Blumendahl, and um, I can't I can't promote your your uh, uh, training ground there, Coach. But I uh, think if you'll go to Coach R B L O E M E N at iCloud dot com, and I thank you very very much for being on the program today, Coach Blumendahl, and and we'll we'll ask you to do it again. I hope you will. Thank you for having me. It's always my pleasure. Thank, thank you, Coach. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. And, folks, I want to remind you, you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. And we're out of time, and we'll see you next week on American Tennis. Come